Collaboration opens up exponential growth opportunities, especially now more than ever in the age of AI. But what is it that holds financial brands back and their teams from collaborating together with fintechs to co-create an even bigger, better, and brighter future? And what can you do with your financial brand to capture new growth opportunities through collaboration? Well, let's find out together on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Greetings and hello, I'm James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Kyle Ray to the show. Kyle is the co-founder and CEO at Adventro Banking, where they help fintech and financial brands scale by leveraging deep network and expertise. And today, Kyle and I are going to explore the biggest growth opportunities for fintechs and financial brands rooted at the heart of collaboration. Welcome to the show, Kyle. It is so good to share time with you today, buddy. Yeah, no, I appreciate being on. Uh, looking forward to uh, a good conversation with you. Absolutely. And before we get into talking about collaborations for fintechs and financial brands, because I know you spend a lot of time thinking about that, what is good in your world right now, personally, professionally? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I got a got to say my, my daughter, my, she's 15, sophomore in high school, playing volleyball at a really, really high level. Um, only sophomore playing varsity starting, uh, as a DS right now. So I rock my best guy, my daughter knows t-shirt to her games. we got a big game tonight. Uh, we went out, we can, you know, got four games left. We went out, we can win conference back to back. So, um, pretty excited to see that go on in her life. Um, and the recruiting process has already started. It's insane, man. I'll tell you, it's completely different from the nineties when I was going through getting ready to go off to college and play football. That's right. And you know, when I think about you know, your daughter and my wife and I, we have four kids, all runners, track, cross country. It's so good to see their continued growth. Um, and I think that's you know a good way to think about today's conversation. There's a lot of variables uh, at play right now. The environment is different. Back to your point about when you were getting recruited in the 90s to how recruitment is working today. I think about financial brands. I think about fintechs. You're you're at the intersection of that, and it is a different time period. It's different than what it was to start this decade in 2020 um, economically. And when you think about the growth potential for collaborations between fintechs and financial brands, why are collaborations important? Why are they a key element for future growth for both sides of the coin? Yeah, I think two two things come to mind um, as I think about both sides of the coin. But but really, what it boils down to is is a good partnership. And and what does that look like? Um, you know, banks and, and credit unions are, and honestly, fintechs are all the same as well, right? We're, we all come to a, a point where we need to grow, and how do we grow? Generally, it's going to be through technology and, and different technology stacks. But do we do we build it ourselves? Do we buy? Uh, do we partner with Best and Breed? Uh, and when I say buy, like, do we go and acquire somebody and make it ours, right? Um, do we go and just partner with them or do we do nothing? Oftentimes you see do nothing as your biggest competitor in the market. Uh, and especially as you get, you know, down market, um, you know, in the sub 10 billion space. Um, but but what really can set fintechs apart is um, their ability to actually truly partner with the financial institution. And, and what do I mean by that is, it's not just the, the hey, here's my software, sign this three, five-year contract, and I'll call you before renewal, and you're going to have an increase in, in pricing and, and best of luck, right? It's, right. 
somebody who, a partner who's in the trenches with you, who understands your problems and your pain points, who's offering a solution to that specific pain point, and, and maybe others, and, you know, long tail down the road that, that you can grow into, um, but not not the ones that are, are just, hey, we got our money and we walked away, right? Because that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the financial institutions um, tackle what they need to tackle, um, but also it doesn't help the fintech actually grow their own product set. Like you, you get some money in, but then you're not innovating. You, you don't listen to your customers and pretty soon you're not going to have anymore, right? So something I prided myself in in my, in my days at Encino was really making sure that I was there uh, with my customers. I would go on tours and you know every week I'd visit a couple of different customers in between prospects, listen to them, see how their projects are going, understand their problems. Um, and battle with them, right? And I'd go back internally and I would take that feedback back internally and say, hey, here's what the market's saying. Um, here's what the customers need. Here's where we need to look at going. And then inviting them into our product roadmap sessions and strategy sessions. And we did it a little bit uniquely where um, community regional and, and enterprise, they all, you know, there was kind of community regional and then enterprise, um, but but they all need the same same stuff, right? It's just that scale. And so you know, when, when I'm talking with fintechs and talking with banks and credit unions, um, that's really what I'm helping them to, to un uncover and understand is what does a real partnership look like and how can you make the best use of it? Um, and it goes to what I just said. I appreciate that idea of getting down in the trenches, um, working alongside them, being being their guide with them on their journey of growth. I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this around mindset, mindset on the, the perspective of the financial brand, the bank or the credit union, mindset on the perspective of the fintech. How does mindset play into all of this? Because when you think about a good, strong collaboration, it is a meeting of the minds to where we're all bringing different perspectives to the table. We're all bringing different experiences how does mindset play into establishing and even expanding a strong collaboration that co-creates value together? Yeah. I mean, my mindset is everything. And and I would, I would, you know, turn calls away after the, you know, turn, turn the, the prospects away after the first conversation, if they weren't in the right mind um, mindset, because it's technology is challenging. It's, it's not easy. Right. And it's not meant to be easy, uh, which is why there's experts in the fintech space and there's the engineers and the dev and, and all those brilliant minds that are, they're doing the hard lifting, but we need, we need people on the other side to, to want to grow and want to help and want to, to share their use cases and their pain points. Cause they, they, they're very similar, but they're, they're also different throughout every single institution. And so um, you know, the, the partnership mindset isn't for everybody. Some people just, you know, I talked to almost every single bank and credit union over six and a half, seven years now, some of them just like to be status quo and that's okay. Right. There's, there's room for that. That's, that's just not the customer that like most fintechs are looking for. Fintechs really, really need and need to understand. And they want that feedback loop. They want that openness back to them so that they can innovate and, grow their book of business and grow their revenues um, while actually truly trying to change and transform the industry. Um, so, so that's, that's one key area. The other key area that I looked at was when I was first talking with, you know, first call with, with prospects, it was, you know, what is your, what is your three-year vision for this institution? You're hovering $700 million, call it right. Uh, 700 million in assets, right? What is your goal? What do you guys, where do you want to be at in three, five years? And, 
you know, if they were like, oh, we're happy to just say around 700 million, then I probably wasn't going to be much value to them because the, the products and the innovations that we were bringing were going to help them ex accelerate growth into the 2.356 billion, $10 billion range, right? right. Um, but it's a two-way street. And, and you know, there, there's a lot that goes into user adoption of the platform and um, executive buy-in from the top down to, to actually implement the change that's coming. Change is hard. People don't like change, right? Especially salespeople. We hate it. But it's it's important to understand that we're in this again together and we're, I'm going to help you overcome those obstacles, but I also need your help as well. And I need you to be communicating freely with me with the challenges that you're facing and um, the feedback you're getting so that I can then take it back to my team and continue that, that loop. I think a lot about the challenges of change and why human transformation is essential to coincide alongside digital transformation because the technology, that's not the failure point. The tech is, for many times, it's, it's great and it can create exponential right. value back to your point, but the people that have to deploy that and the change that they have to navigate through within their own mind is often some of the biggest hurdles that have to overcome, but you're tapping into something that I think is important and I'm a big believer in. I often say that all transformation that leads to future growth starts by telling the truth, the truth about where you've yeah. been, where you're at, and where you're looking to grow next. Dive deeper. How do you how do you uncover that? How do you go beyond just the surface level, but really get into the goals of not just the organization, but also for the key stakeholder of you're having a conversation with because they're, I think they're interconnected. Yeah. I mean, you hit on something that I'm very passionate about and that's, that's the truth. Right. And, and I've got one kind of core, I've got a couple of rules, but one of my main core rules with my kids and, and, you know, with my employees is um, never lie. Right. It, I'll always have your back, but just always tell the truth. Um, and when you think about that in terms of, of you know, being on the fintech side into banks and credit unions, um, you've got to manage that relationship for three or five years. Why would you ever want to start out with lying to them just mm. to get a sale, right? And something that I really appreciated with the leadership team at Encino was that it wasn't a, a culture where if you didn't hit your numbers, you were, you were walking out stage left. It was you know, let's, let's figure out ways, let's coach, let's, let's get you into the right rhythms and repetitions because what, what, what we didn't want to do is incent people to, to lie, cheat and steal to win a deal. Right. And so um, that's something that, that it comes out naturally when you're, when you're, when you take that premise of I'm, I'm here to be very transparent. I'm going to tell you what the software can do, what it can't do. And I'm only going to tell you maybe the next release, um, maybe the next two releases, but don't, don't buy based on that. Right. And so ultimately what, what happens is when you start your conversations with that, with, with your, your prospects, and, and hopefully you're, you're getting your champions right away, the wall goes down, right? Because they've been lied to so many times, you know, the, the legacy core systems out there have, you know, over-promised and under-delivered so much that th th these walls are, are up. And, and as soon as you lower the wall, now they feel like they can be fully transparent with you as well. Right. Um, and, and then it comes, the, the, the fine tuning piece now comes don't don't be the the hungry person at the buffet, right? Don't have big eyes and a small stomach. Let's really hone in on what you need and what you can absorb and take on today, and then build a roadmap out of what you can take on in the next twelve to eighteen to twenty four months, and bite this off in chunks. And 
when you do that, it, it, it creates this partnership where you've got their best interest in mind. They've now told you what their next 24 month roadmap looks like, right? So from, from my side, I'm thinking, great, I've got constant repetition in here with this institution. I've got reason now to come back in and talk every week or two weeks or month or whatever your cadence becomes. Um, and, and you're constantly growing that account now, right? And um, the, 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 the institution, the financial institutions love it because now they've got a journey that they're on with their partner versus a, a set it and forget it solution that they're, they're typically used to, right? And again, it goes back to their account execs come back every renewal with big increases and they're like, I didn't get any value out of it. So you lower the wall, there's transparency back and forth, good, bad, and ugly, right? It's, I made sure everybody knows this is not easy. Like if this was easy, everybody would do it. And um, instantly, you know, there, there's trust built um, with, inside of the institution. And then when you get into, you know, your, your key stakeholders, executive team, that person has already championed you internally now too. And so now it's, it's more of a, not necessarily a friendship, but it feels more like it's a natural friendship partnership with, with your institutions from the top down. I take it even a step further. It's a collaboration and it's, it's a, it's a collaboration yeah. rooted in co-creating value together through your own right. perspectives that are aligned. This is something, you know, if we, want to go back and apply some ancient wisdom here napoleon hill wrote about the the perspective of the mastermind where when you bring one mind in with another mind and another mind then you've got an exponential multiplier of value creation from these different perspectives the telling the truth um and trust it's built upon two things it's built upon words and actions back to your point it's like i understand why a lot of financial brands feel like they've been burned from their past experiences. But at the same time, I also encourage don't let those past experiences limit your future growth potential um, because there right. are good people who are doing good things for a good reason. And I, I want to flip this around just a little bit. When you think about the pains of the past, what are potential challenges or roadblocks that can quickly derail a collaboration and just throw it off the tracks? Yeah. Um, you know, I think something right out of the gates is, you know, you get into a project you sold your deal. You told me it can do all these cool things. It can sing and dance and park your car in reverse backwards, blindfolded. And the first, project kickoff and they're sitting with the project team and they're like oh well kyle told me you can do this and the project team's like we've never even heard of that before the product never been intended to act that way right and so boom right there all credibility can be lost um and then it's ptsd for for the financial institution because i know oh, we've been here done that again right so um you know that's that's why it's super important to be very upfront it might it might cost you a deal um but guess what like i was okay with that because I'm going to sleep at night knowing that I didn't lie to you to, just to, to make a deal um, and pad my numbers for the year. So that's, that's something, you know, I, I think is super important for anybody, you know, looking to be in, in on the sales side is full transparency, um, good, bad, and ugly, right? Because you need to build that, that instant credibility and that instant trust. And it's, it's the opposite of over, over promising and under delivering. You're under promising and over delivering now at this point. And, you get into a project and everything they're going through and the project team's like, yep, yep, yep. That's all good. 
boom, now that now there's trust, there's even more trust that's solidified now because the project team has come in and reinforced. It's expectation setting, but I say it's expectation yep. setting and then resetting the expectation and then resetting the expectation so that because we know in any relationship, whether it's personal, professional, when an expectation goes unmet or unfulfilled, that's where the friction, frustration, conflict, chaos begins to seep in. I want to rise up to the macro level because once again, you do sit at the intersection of fintech and financial brands. You see a lot, you have a lot of conversations. Let's look at it both sides of the coin. What are some of the trends that you are hearing, seeing about right now in the present moment from the perspective of financial brands? What's Where's the chatter? Where's the conversation today? You know, a lot of them, um, a lot of the financial institutions I talk to today, it's kind of a few things, right? There's a, a, I don't know if you want to call it a looming recession, if we've been in a recession, but there, there's something happening, right? You just saw um, the the student loan staycation, just, I forget what they actually called it, but I call it a staycation. That just expired, right? So now we've got all this student loan debt that needs to start being repaid again, right? What's that going to do? That's going to deplete um, you know, uh, capital in the banks even more because people are now paying their loans back, right? So um, th- there's a lot of chatter around that. The, the credit is tightening even more now. Um, but also from 2019 to 2021, specifically more so right in, in the COVID era, uh, these institutions way overspent on technology. They, they had to, right? They're in a, in a bind. Branches are closing everywhere. They need to have a digital presence, there's all these fly by night companies that spun up and started creating some interesting software to help. But now they're just sitting on this stuff. It's on the shelf. Some of it's not being used. It's three, five-year contract stuff. And, and so, so there, there's a lot of financial institutions that are looking at their technology stack, looking at their contracts. When do they come to, what does this even do for us? Can we utilize it? Or should we just ride this out, have it as a sunk cost and move on? And so we're in this really interesting period of time right now where the banks just are in credit, they're, they're budgeted, but they're very cautiously moving into the next project um, because it, because they've got this, this tech stack that they're just not really fully sure of yet. And, you know, when I talk to those institutions, I, what I like to do is get in there and really help them evaluate, like, what are you, what do you have? Did, does this even fit where you want to go now? Right. Maybe it did in 2020, but we're almost 2024 now. Is this something where your your institution is re- even going? Um, and if not, just just write it off now, right, and uh, move on. Yeah, and 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 I think that overbuying, overspending in that 2020 2021 period, now we're seeing the inverse of that because the rules of the game, if you will, have changed. Coming back to your point of recruiting, the game has changed. And if we flip this around, what what is the perspective now from the fintechs selling into the space? Where is the where are the patterns of their conversation now today in the present? Yeah, I think you know in in, in conversations I'm having because I kind of do both sides, right? And, and I'm helping fintech scale. So so the conversations I'm having is more around getting into their budget cycle for their next project. It's not something that's going to be an immediate sale today, um, but it's opening the door so that, hey, here's here's what's out there. Here's where you said you're going. Here's things to help you on that journey. Let's work together over the course of the next quarter, four or five months-ish, 
um, to work into this project, knowing that you're going to need it. Um, and, and that seems to be doing doing okay so far, right? Because there's there's still a need, and, and some of it is even replacing maybe human touch or humans doing the work with something. There, there's still a cost to that, right? And helping them understand what that cost is, or it could even be, um, you know, replacing a a really expensive software with a a software that's less expensive that actually does more for you, easier to implement, and so you're just replacing costs at that point and lowering costs, but. Um, that those are the conversations that that folks should be having. Um, you're seeing a lot of fintechs that are scaling back uh, on their headcount. Um, you know, the, the the other thing that that I think is is to be noted is you know sales cycles are taking so much longer now. It used to be six eight months for a mature fintech. Uh, you know, in the the down market sub maybe five billion space, anywhere from twelve to eighteen months in the mid market, and then eighteen plus. Well shift all of that six to, to 12 months now, just given what we went through this year. And so, so those are the, those, that's the angle when I'm talking with the institution, I'm not, I don't, I don't need the immediate sale. Yes. We all want the immediate sale. It's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is make sure that we're in your, on your roadmap. And what does that roadmap look like? Let's talk about it, collaborate about it together, right? Let's, let's have this partnership so that when when three six months from now when that roadmap item comes up, I'm already positioned. You're already budgeted, and boom, now we have the sale. Yeah, and I think that it's a changing of expectations once again to the to mm-hmm. the new reality, resetting the expectation, and we're seeing the same thing. And you know, I think that's where if we rethink what the opportunities are. It might not be the immediate sell, but it's something that I wrote about in Banking on Digital Growth. It's about playing the role of the helpful and empathetic guide. Uh, So if you're a fintech selling into the space, there's still an opportunity to create value to guide your Mm -hmm. key stakeholders that you're working with internally within a financial brand by providing them not just the quote unquote product or the technology, but perhaps the expertise that they need to facilitate the conversations internally with other key stakeholders. What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, you're spot on, right? I think that's, that's super important. Um, You know, resetting the expectation is is a perfect way to say it uh, because before expectations were, were, were such, but we've shifted it, it given the economic cycle we're in. So the, the one thing I, I, I like to do is is make my internal champion look like the hero, right? And, and you can't do that unless expectations are set. And then that, again, that it goes back to that um, internal champion is going to make you look like, you know, an amazing uh, account exec uh, once to, to their leadership. And boom, your, your partnership is, is really solid at that point. So, yes. And when, when you think about where we're at, but also where we're going, say, over the next 12, 24, 36 months. I, I know that can feel like an eternity, particularly 36 months, based upon what we've experienced over the last 36 months. But when you look ahead towards the future, what are you feeling most hopeful and excited about through this lens of collaboration here? Um, you know, I see a lot of um, generational shift in in the institutions, right? And you're starting to see the next generation kind of come into to their positions in, of leadership, and it's it's I'm, I'm very bullish on on that because they are uh, the generation that is open to the change and looking at the next kind of innovative thing to take them to that next level. 
Um, and so I think, you know, and then on top of that, too, we're coming into an election year, which is always fun for uh, financial institutions and fintechs. Right. So, yeah, I'm very, very optimistic of of what's to come. Um, I think you're going to see this this AI game uh, really take shape. So, you know, the, the companies that are, are already adapting to it, they're not taking their time to get there. You talk about crypto. Crypto, I think, is here to stay, whether people like it or not. And you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, bad projects leave, but you're going to be left with some good stuff. Uh, and so those are the types of, of cool technologies coming that when you look back to the early 90s, and you think about, you know, this this internet was like this fad, right? And it's never going to last. And now look at where we're at, right? And um, I think that's what we're starting to see. And think I've been in this since 2006, and we couldn't take checks, pictures of checks to deposit back then. And now look at how we can move money around pretty easily. We're still behind, though, as, a, as an industry. And I think this, this next 36 months, even into like really the next decade, is going to be really transformative. Yep. And and the, the folks coming into these positions of power are the right the right generation I feel like to to really accelerate that um, and and really benefit all sides and I think this is where fintechs can really start to set themselves apart now right is do you have a solution that the industry needs and are you a good partner that's going to collaborate to make this thing better? It's interesting that you bring up the nineties and the internet. Um, that's something that I've been working with a lot of boards and executive teams within financial brands. And I asked the question, well, how old were you in 1994? And I want you to write that down on a sheet of paper and I want you to hold it up and everyone kind of gets a little squeamish, you know, no one wants to talk about their age and whatnot, but I'm like, no, this is important because how old you were in 1994 is directly influencing your thinking today. Because so for example, I was, I was 13 in 94. So right in in middle school, right as the internet was about to take off, you know, I grew up with this thing um, and have seen the evolution. Then sometimes in the room you have someone who is maybe 20, 25. So they were college starting their career in 94. So they didn't have that same type of contextual experience. And they obviously they learned it along the way, but it was from a different perspective. Then you had someone who was maybe 30, 35, further along in their career in 94. Then you also have people in leadership who are maybe five in 94 and maybe they weren't even born yet. And they've had a completely different experience than even myself. And I think because this is important because you mentioned AI. So right now everyone is a buzz about this AI thing and people back in the nineties thought the internet was a quote unquote fad and there's film, there's video that, that shows this and I've done a podcast episode on this. I don't, I don't think the, the vast majority of people have any clue as to the exponentiality of what is coming through AI. It's going to take what has transpired over the last 30 years, compress that down into maybe three, five, 10 years. And the output or the result is going to be 10 times bigger than that. And the human mind is a linear mind where the technology is exponential and it's creating this gap. And I think too, that's also, there's a lot of fatigue around this, not, not quote unquote decision fatigue, but just change fatigue. There was the COVID experience and then there was 
the financial crisis and then there's this whole AI thing and it's just people from from talking to CEOs and leaders and their teams I'm starting to find a lot of them are starting to feel very very tired right now um with what they have experienced what would your recommendation be because once again you you kind of grew up in some of this and you've experienced changes and downturns as well what would your recommendation be for those who are watching or listening who might be feeling a little bit tired, might be feeling a little bit burned out to navigate these coming years? Yeah, I think, you know, something that's super important. I just had this kind of conversation with the $350 million bank down in Kentucky last week where, you know, they're, they're a generational family owned institution, right? And they've got this technology board now, but it's all internal people. And and I think, mm. you know, the, it's great to have that, but I think you need to have fresh eyes on this because there's, there's a lot to know and you're running an institution. You don't have the bandwidth. You're tired, right? You're exhausted from all this change. But if you, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, you just have to surround yourself with the smart people that come back and tell you and report to you. And you have to trust those people. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's important for, for folks who have you know been doing this for a long time and they've seen all the change it's okay to be tired. That's, that's normal, right? Um, Arm yourself with the people, find yourself a good, maybe technology board um, as a subset, even of, of your board um, that, that can do this heavy lifting for you and then come give you the cliff notes, right? You don't need to be the expert in this now, right? You're, 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 you made it through your, throughout your career. You're on top of the world, right? You're the CEO, whatever. Um, That shouldn't be what your main concern is, right? Your main concern should be, understanding how we're going to grow the bank, navigate through these tough times, the credit crunch, all that stuff. Um, while I have people that I trust that are going to come back to me and tell me, you know, the, the technologies in, in, in the, in the industry that are, are there to help us achieve those goals. Right. That's a fantastic point because if you think about healthcare, you, you can Google things now and self-diagnose and right. odds are you're going to be dying in a week with yourself or your misdiagnosis. <laughs> but the same is true with technology um, within FinServe. You can go out and you can do a lot of Googling, but because of the exponential nature and the number of new logos coming on, it can feel extremely overwhelming. But that's where when we come back to healthcare working with a specialist who has deep level knowledge, deep level expertise around the cardiac system or the pulmonary system or the urinary system. That's why there's that deep level expertise so that you don't have to be, and and it's impossible to be the expert within all of these different fields of study. So I, I really appreciate that perspective. As we wrap up here, I always like to send those who are watching or listening off with something small that they can apply today so that they can begin to get momentum and progress on their journey of growth, what would be the one thing that you would recommend, something small that they could do to either establish or begin to explore potential future collaborations going forward into the future? Yeah, I think, you know, the the the, the key is to to ask for help, right? There's a ton of help out there. Um, there there's a lot of smart folks out there smarter than I. Um, just we're out here. We're, we're here to help. We're, we're an ear bounce stuff off your, your ideas off our heads. Um, let us help you uh, in, in, in your journey. 
Um, and quite honestly, you know, I, I talk to a lot of banks and, and I don't I don't build banks, right? Because I'm passionate about this industry and transforming it that I just like to, to know what's going on and help them understand what other things are there and make those connections. And so, you know, the, the, any takeaway that I would give is call us, reach out to us on LinkedIn, ask us for our opinion. There's, you know, there's enough of us in this, this world that, you know, we're all here to help um, and ultimately build, start building those friendships um, so that you have a, a, a solid ear to, to talk to when you need it. That's, that's a great point. You don't have to go, you mentioned journey before and the hero's journey. You don't have to take this hero's journey alone. There are plenty of, of those who are ready, willing, and want to help. They have a servant's heart. Um, they care uh, about elevating this industry because this is such a important industry. This is an industry that has the ability to truly transform the lives of people in the communities that mm-hmm. these banks and credit unions are serving. So I really appreciate that thinking, Kyle. If someone wants to, to continue the conversation that we've started here today, what's the best way for them to reach out and say hello to you? Yeah, you know, you can uh, go out to my LinkedIn. Um, I think I'm the Kyle Ray because there's actually another Kyle Ray in banking, ironically. Um, so LinkedIn, the Kyle Ray, T-H-E-K-Y-L-E-R-A-Y. Uh, my phone number, uh, 630-636-1071. Call me anytime. Um, maybe not too late at night. Uh, or email as well. So Kyle at Adventro, A-D-V-I-N-T-R-O.com. Um, I'm here for you. Um, I've you know been doing a lot of things, seeing a lot of things. Uh, and I'll give you an honest uh, opinion on what I think. Connect with Kyle, learn with Kyle, grow with Kyle. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me for another yeah. conversation on the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. This has been a lot of fun today, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Have a good one, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and be the light.